You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today, I am sitting down with my friend, Heather Creekmore. She has a new book out. I'm so, it's a workbook. I'm so excited, but let me just share a little bit about Heather. She writes and speaks hope to thousands of women each week, inspiring them to stop comparing and start living. The host of the internationally popular Compared To podcast, she has been featured on Fox News, Huffington Post, Morning Dose, Church Leaders, and For Every Mom along with dozens of other shows and podcasts. She was a contestant on Nailed It. If you've seen the first season of Nailed It, my kids started, they got hooked on that because of your show, Heather, or your episode. (laughs) Heather and her Marine fighter pilot turned pastor husband, Eric, have four kids and live in Austin. And you can learn more about her at improvebodyimage.com. We'll talk more about that later, but Heather, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks so much, Erin. It's good to be with you. I think I have you on like once a year, maybe. And most recently, I feel like we spoke pretty recently, but I am so excited about this 40 day body image workbook before we get into any of the deeper dives. Like how is this going to be different from what you've done in the past? And what are you excited about it? Well, I'm excited about this for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's not just reading about the issues. So people think workbook, and sometimes they think it's going to be like a blank book, (laughs) like lots of empty spaces, empty pages for journaling. No, like this book has as many words in it as any of my other books, but as you read, I ask you some questions and I encourage you to do some things because really, if we want to really change anything in our lives, right, we can't just read about it right? Behaviors and attitudes and belief systems do not change because you read something. They change because you do something. And so this, this workbook really lets people take action. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. I got to see a little bit of, of it. I think way, way, I mean, it was probably over a year ago and now I've gotten the, I, I ordered, I pre-ordered my copy. I'm waiting by the time this episode's airs episode airs. Gosh, I am struggling to speak today by the time that it airs, I'll have it. Um, but I really want to encourage listeners to just stop right now and order it because I know just by going over the format and looking at the simplicity of it, it's simple, but it's deep. So I say simplicity and I don't want to like take away from the depth of it, but it's just broken down in a way that I think is going to appeal to everybody. Oh, I hope so. I mean, so it's a 40 day format, but there are some days that you might need to spend more than one day thinking Mm. about it. Like when did you start having these thoughts about your body wasn't good enough? Like who influenced these thoughts? Like where, you know, when did this begin and what, you know, really, what have you been trying to do to improve your body image? Like I make you think about a lot of those different things and then kind of encourage you to go a new way. So I hope, I hope it's a blessing to anyone who reads it and uses it. Yeah. I mean, you really have to, you're asking the hard questions. So in order to engage with it, the way that it's intended to be engaged with, it's going to lead to a lot of hard questions, maybe for some people. Yeah. And I get a little edgy in it too. I think, you know, Erin, it's a Christian book. Um, But beyond that, I kind of challenge the concepts of culture, like body positivity, Mm. Um, and even body neutrality, which Mm -hmm. I think there are good components to each of those, but at the same time, I don't think they're the answer. I don't think 
just smiling at myself in the mirror more or chanting, I love my thighs. I love my cellulite. (laughs) I don't think that's enough for us to genuinely be free. And, you know, body neutrality is a little bit more palatable for a lot of people in that, you know, it's that we focus more on the usefulness of our bodies. And, and I think that's a space that I probably practically lived in for a little while, but for a Christian, I think we have to like kind of go beyond just seeing our bodies as useful and also see them as like a good gift from God. And we were created to do something and our bodies give us a clue as to what we were created to do. For me, Erin, my clue is I was not created to be a fashion model. (laughs) I'm only five foot five, right? But I can look at my fast fingers maybe and say, okay, well, I can type like a bunch of words a minute. So maybe that's the clue. God made my body on purpose for a purpose to do something. And, um, you know, and I don't have to be just blah neutral about it. I can be excited. Like, okay. He made me with short legs and fast fingers for a reason. And that should be (laughs) encouraging. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting that, I mean, we've talked about this before, maybe even on the show that how cultures perspectives of beauty and shape and even food and dieting just continues to change to where it's like, it's, it's exhausting. You get to, eventually you get to a point you're like, okay, I've tried it all. I've done it all. And I'm still not happy. I still haven't found that magic number on the scale that I want to be at or the magic size, or maybe here's the kicker. A lot of women have found the magic size, but they Mm -hmm. still don't feel the way they think they're supposed to feel. What's that about? Right. Right. I mean, it's, it's a merry-go-round or roller coaster or pick any of your favorite amusement park rides. <laughs> it's the tilt-a-whirl, right? It's all of those things because in a way it's kind of insanity, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm using that word as part of that, like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and again and expecting different results. But that was me. I mean, maybe it wasn't the exact same thing over and over again. Maybe it was a new plan <laughs> or a, you know, something that just came out. But I think if we, you know, it's the beginning of the year, right, Erin, this is tis the season for starting a new plan and making goals and making setting resolutions. And where do most of us end up by February or March or April, if we're really, you know, I don't know what the word is, but most of us don't make it to spring with our, our new goals, our new resolutions. And I think part of that is we make it too hard right? We decide we're so desperate for a new us that we decide we need a complete overhaul. And then we try to do all the things at once. And we just, it's just not sustainable. You just can't do it. You can't keep it up. And I think the premise that drives that is a faulty premise. You don't need a new you, (laughs) you know, like I said, God made you on purpose for a purpose. Now, maybe you have some health goals. Maybe there's some things you can improve, right? Like maybe there are some ways that you can feel better in the new year. Absolutely. But a complete overhaul is never going to be effective and, and really not, not what God or anyone else is asking of you. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something so appealing this time of year of all of those fixes. Mm -hmm. And maybe it is because we want a new us or a new version of us, Mm -hmm. or we want, and, and then you have the, 
these days, I will say, and this is not what we are going to talk about today, but I do want to, I mean, we've got those shots, we've got those weight loss shots mm -hmm. that are all the rage. And so it's, it's like, well, gosh, well, I, I want to get that kind of attention, right? Like, and maybe not even, maybe not the attention. I don't want to, I know for many people, it's not about that, but it's like, I want to be able to look in the mirror and go, oh, I like the way my clothes fit today. Cause I haven't thought that for a long time. Right. Like, I mean, there are all these things that, that we think about when we maybe do a little bit of body modifying that the modification thing. And that's so appealing this time of year, but that's not getting to the root of the issue. And that's right. what you address in this workbook, right? Yeah. I mean, the desire underneath the desire, right? Like when I say I want a new me, most of the time, I'm not talking about my personality, although, you know, there's always parts of our personalities are like, oh, I'm too loud or, you know, I want to be more aggressive or not aggressive necessarily. I don't know. Maybe someone wants to be more aggressive. <laughs> I want to be more <laughs> assertive. You know, it's, it's like there's there's some of those things where we think, you know, there's parts of our personality that we could tweak. But for the most part, it's I believe that what I look like is saying something to the world and I want to change what it's saying. Hmm. So for many of my clients, cause as you know, I do body image coaching. Their fear is that if their body doesn't look a certain way, it's saying to the world that they're lazy mm -hmm. or it's saying to the world that they're not smart or it's saying to the world that, you know, they just don't have the discipline it takes. And it's so difficult to operate from that belief system, because then what happens if it, you do all the things and it still doesn't work? I mean, it completely, I, was, I would say the problem with diet culture is it completely puts into our hands or gives us the perception that we hold our own, you know, control over our, our destiny of what our body looks like. And if you just do the certain things, you will look like that person on Instagram. But I'll tell you, Aaron, you just mentioned the shots. You know, my brother went on Ozempic in July and has not lost an ounce mm -hmm. after six, seven months. Yeah. And so he's getting, you know, tests done. But, but just, you know, as I talked to him, the disappointment, right? Because his hope was, this is going to work for me. I've tried everything else. This is going to work for me. And what if it doesn't, you know, there's, I did a show several months ago on exercise non-responders. <laughs> did did mm. you and I talk about this? I, so I was a fitness instructor for years and years. And last year I randomly got a message from my, um, the company that off that gave me my fitness certification. And the article was about exercise non-responders. And it was like one out of every six people will not respond to exercise in the same way that everyone else does. So it's like, you've got, you know, your little boot camp group of six people working out and yes, okay, exercise will probably have similar benefits for them on the inside, right? Like it might help their blood pressure, help their mood. But one out of the six people didn't have their body change in the same way the others did. And it, like, those aren't statistics we hear about very often. So I think this time of year, when we start to feel this pressure for a body overhaul, right? That we need to have a new, a new look to be a new us or a thinner body is really what we're talking about, right? A thinner, a thinner, smaller body. So everyone will congratulate us. 
I think we have to ask ourselves, what it is do we really want? Right. I think most of us, we want to be approved of, Mm. we want to be seen, right? Not, not in a showy way, but we don't want to be overlooked. Let me put it that way. We want to be loved. We want to be respected. We want to be cared for. And as I think about my own journey through body image issues and through decades of dieting and food restriction and over-exercising and really hurting my body through doing quote unquote healthy things, Mm -hmm. right? Like those things that I longed for didn't get any closer to me because I was doing those things to change my body. In fact, probably just the opposite by over-exercising, by under-eating, I was driving people away. I was obsessing over myself to such a point where my marriage was not good, (laughs) you know, because I was all about Mm. me, you know, Mm. friendships had to take a back burner to getting the workout in, or I'm turning down the invitation for lunch or coffee because that's not on my plan. Right. And so, so there's a lot of ways that we think pursuing a better body will get us these goals that we really long for. And yet I just wonder if sometimes it doesn't work in just the opposite way. Gosh. And there's that. And to your point, I'm just backing up a little bit to what you said, the people who have tried the things and then they failed, then they feel like the failure. It's not that the thing that they used was the failure. Now it's about them because they were a failure for not having the quote. I'm these are air quotes, guys, (laughs) the discipline to begin with, or not having the motivation to begin with. And now they, their body is so broken that they can't even respond to the intervention correctly. And that's, that's a, that's a horrible, a horrible thought spiral to go down. And I think that that's just so interesting. You mentioned what we want out of it. Right. And I, and I'd said something about like getting the attention, but I think there's also an achievement Mm -hmm. that, and for some people like me, it's like that. I did it. I did the thing. Tell me how great I am for doing the thing. I do like that. And I think that we, we receive that in all sorts of different ways, whether it's from a family member or from a spouse or from, I mean, it's so interesting or pictures on Facebook. It's so interesting when you see, Oh, you look so good. I mean, that's such an instant hit when people are like, Oh, you look pretty in that, or that's a great picture of you. Everybody wants to feel that way. And in our culture, sometimes getting that smaller body temporarily can give you that achievement because that is at the moment, what our culture has prized as being deserving of that. And yeah, it's such an, then what happens when it doesn't last? Right. Because, because that's a challenge. I mean, the data shows Mm -hmm. that 95% of diets Mm -hmm. fail. Yep. Right. So you have a, you're a unicorn. If you keep Mm -hmm. that weight that you lost through restrictive, you know, reducing calories, like that's how I'm classifying diet, right? Restriction and reducing calories dramatically. If you're losing that weight that way, you have a 5% chance of keeping it off. Like after the two-year point, and and then really after the five-year point at all, (laughs) all drops off. So like, that's even harder on the heart, I would say, mm-hmm. to get all the attention and get all those compliments and all the perceived love of you did so great. And then as the weight starts creeping on, what I see, Aaron, is women stop posting pictures on Facebook. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah, right? you're right. They can you're just right. go dark, mm-hmm. right? And they feel like they have to hide. Mm-hmm. And it's so sad. Maybe they weren't there previously. In fact, there is a study that I cite in my book where women who have lost a dramatic amount of weight um, actually report having more body image issues after their weight loss than they had before their weight loss. 
because that journey to weight loss put more focus and more pressure on them and their body. And then as those compliments came in, right, they started to, I would say, see themselves as more of a body (laughs) than they saw themselves as before. Right. Whereas before, maybe they could view themselves Mm. as a whole person, right. It, it becomes, Oh, my body is what people love about me. Oh, my body is what people notice about me. I've got it. I better keep this body or they're going to stop noticing. They're going to stop loving me. And then the pressure escalates. And it's, it's just sad that, mm-hmm. that we do this over and over and over again. And then there's the pressure escalates. What do we want? Well, I've got to go on a new plan because I got to get back down there. And, and that has to become the goal again. And, you know, even to what you do, Aaron, right. That's not healthy, is it? Right. You want people to get right. healthy. Right. And to feel <laughs> like, good with food. <laughs> right. It's not, there's yeah. no mental health in obsessing mm-hmm. over trying mm-hmm. to get a smaller body. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, even if you are trying to eat better, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you are so 100% focused in your head on shrinking your body, it, there's nothing healthy about that. Yeah. It, well, and then it goes back to like what you mentioned and you've talked about this and I know you talked about this a lot and compared to who just that idolatry perspective, but it's also, it's a self-objectification right. way of looking at things. It is just putting all that emphasis on what is food, what is movement, what is doing for me, 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 instead of, right. Okay. What can I do to feel better so that I can live my purpose the way that I'm supposed to live my purpose? So I'd love to ask some questions just about what you, because I know you've done so much reading and research on this, um, on the topic of food and the way our culture thinks about food and diets and how we use food. How does, how does God view the way our relationship with food differently than our cultural perspective of food? Yeah. So this wasn't an original thought. Someone said this to me and it was actually a client of mine and it startled me because we were talking about her relationship with food and we were kind of taking the food as fuel approach, if you will. And kind of, you know, working from that, like, and we hear that a lot, like food is fuel, but we also hear if you're in diet culture, it's like this subtle underlying message of, if it tastes good, you're probably doing something wrong, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. If you're enjoying eating it, it's probably something you shouldn't be eating. Right. And then just think about the language we use around food, right? It's devil's food cake and it's sinfully (laughs) delicious, right? Like, like we treat food, like eating something like devil's food cake. Mm -hmm. That's simply it's we're cheating on our plan. Mm -hmm. We treat it like Mm -hmm. adultery. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But is eating a piece of cake the same as adultery? No, <laughs> no, it's not. Right. And and so back to what my client said to me, she was like, you know, it's just so amazing for me to think about the fact that God's going to throw us a big feast in heaven someday. And I was like, are you kidding me? You're exactly right. And guess what? My body, when I get to heaven is not going to need food as fuel. So why would God throw us a feast? And then you start to think about what this feast would be like. Like, I don't know. So I grew up dieting in the eighties where you ate rice cakes. Mm-hmm. Now, now that's kind of silly, right? Because of the carbohydrate content, but, <laughs> but back then that's how you got thin was you ate, you ate these fat-free carbohydrates. Like, is that what God's going to serve at his feast? I doubt it. I don't think there's going to be a rice cake on the table. Like, I think he's going to lavish us with good foods that taste 
delicious. And I, I don't, you probably know the number on this, but we have so many taste buds, <laughs> right? Like if we were supposed to eat the same bland things over and over again, every single day, like why would God have given us so many taste buds? And then I just think about this whole concept. And for me, this was kind of a revolutionary thing, like that there's different kinds of tastes, right? Like, like sometimes I want a certain texture and, and sometimes it's a taste I'm looking for. And there's different things that I need when I'm eating to be satisfied. Right. And, and why is that? Like, that's just contrary to everything I ever learned dieting, right? Everything I learned dieting was ignore. If you crave something, ignore it, eat the opposite of that. Like, you know, do whatever you can to ignore what your body is telling you. And what I've been learning is to listen to my body. <laughs> and it's the strangest thing, right? So I, I had something the other day and it was like a texture that I don't get a lot. And I had the texture and I was like, I just like, I didn't even have that much of it, like a couple of bites. And I was like, that's really interesting. Like, I feel really satisfied just because I was able to enjoy that texture of food for just a couple of minutes. And now I don't need anything else. Whereas before, I would have been like, I can't eat that thing. And I would have had three spoonfuls of peanut butter, like one at a time <laughs> and then gone and eaten some fruit and then gone and eaten some nuts. And then I don't know, maybe gone crazy and started grabbing chocolate chips by the handful, <laughs> like anything mm -hmm. to meet that craving instead of just having a couple bites of the thing that I wanted. Yep. And there's a freedom that I have now to do that, that I didn't have before. And, and back to your question, I think that's how God wants us to relate to food, mm. right? Not that food owns me, not that I have to eat it, right? Not that, you know, not that I don't still get the choice. I'm going to eat this food because it makes me feel good, or I'm not going to eat this food because it doesn't make me feel good, but that I'm actually free to make that choice <laughs> is, is a big thing in my life. And I think, I think that's how God intended us to relate to food. Yeah, I agree. And I'm one of those people, and I don't know when I became this type of person, but I'm obsessed with food metaphors in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Anytime I, I come across a food yeah. metaphor, I get excited yeah. because, yeah. and I, and I realized that back then it was probably written in a time where food was, I mean, you had to hunt for it. You had to grow it. You had to, I mean, it was a lot big process. And so having it was a really big deal, especially mm -hmm. when you have it in abundance. Mm -hmm. And so of course the metaphors hit a little bit differently when you think of it that way, but I love, so Proverbs 15, 17 says better, a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I love that because it's that whole concept of what you're saying is it's like that mindset about what you eat and even your, about your body when you're eating, when you're in that dieting restrictive mode, a lot of times it's like, I am cutting off my brain from my body. They are separate entities. Yeah. I am going to push through it. I'm going to, you know, not think about what I really want because I'm, and that's so counter to, I mean, well, and a lot of us were raised that way and depending mm -hmm. on what kind of upbringing people had, but these days, especially with everything that we talk about on the show and everything that I've been learning for myself, it's like how to integrate the fact that my mind is connected to my body, right, <laughs> my right. body, my hunger cues tell me something. And it's important to pay attention to whatever signals your body's giving you 
and then evaluate from there instead of just shut down, shut down, shut down. And that's what I hate about diet culture too, is it just sent me deeper into, well, I'm stuffing my emotions and my feelings. So I might as well stuff my food cravings and I might as well stuff this and just continue to compartmentalize. Well, that doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't do your body any good. Right. So yeah, I, that's good. Well, I'm thinking about your famous uh, expression, that, which is it. quoted in this book. <laughs> I didn't say body that stress will not digest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also thinking about the mind over milkshake study. Oh, for sure. Right. Yep. And, and so just how, so they gave the two control groups, one group got a full fat, all the, you know, good stuff, regular milkshake. And another group got the same milkshake labeled as what diet, healthy, sense nutritious. Shake. It was sense a shake. Sense a shake. So sense, yeah. a sensible, sensible choice, right? And, and what happened? The group that ate the, the real thing, thinking that they were drinking the real thing, mm-hmm. drank it and they were satisfied at the end. Mm-hmm. And that's all Overly they had, full. right? Uh-huh. Overly full. Yeah. And the other group there was the hormone ghrelin, right? Ghrelin uh-huh. never, never uh, turned on what would yeah, produce yeah, didn't have it. For, yeah. Then it wasn't and, secreted. So they're still hungry. Yeah. Yeah. And they could have had more. Mm-hmm. And so it's so interesting. The tricks are um, same shake. The tricks our minds play on us when we're thinking about food. And I'm going to say them the ways that we've been programmed by our culture to think about right. food instead of being freer with food to relate to it in the ways that our bodies were designed to relate to it. It's such a tricky conversation. And, you know, we've talked about this off, off topic, off show, off air many, many times. It's a tricky conversation because yeah, for almost all of history, we didn't have food the way we have food now. And so now that we have food, there are a thousand different ways to look at it. Whereas before it was like food was celebratory and it was fuel to, you know, just mm-hmm. to staying alive. Yeah. But now we have food for all the reasons, just like we have diets for all the reasons. And just mm-hmm. like we have all the social media apps for all the reasons, anything to keep us because food can keep us engaged with ourselves. It can also keep us disengaged because mm-hmm. I can sit and eat. Oh, I made some really good. It was one of my kids' birthday this weekend. And there are these chocolate fudge brownie cookie things that it's like my new thing. Love them. They're so good. And if I wanted to, I could sit and eat like five of them, not even think about it and just shovel, 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 shovel. But that does a disservice to my body. Mm -hmm. Just sitting there and shoveling them in without actually paying attention to like, to your point earlier, the texture, how Mm -hmm. it tastes. Do I like this? Do I not Mm -hmm. like this there? I used to eat ice cream because it was a forbidden food. I don't even like ice cream. I will Mm -hmm. avoid ice cream like anything, it, it freezes my mouth. I can't taste it. I would mm-hmm. much rather have brownie cookies mm-hmm. <laughs> or mm-hmm. cookies. Yeah. And but when when it's forbidden, we'll right. eat it. Whereas when we actually and, and probably eat it on autopilot. But when we actually right. go, gosh, I love cookies. I'm going to have a cookie. It yeah. it just hits differently, and yeah. it, it and our relationship improves in that way too. Right. Well, because if you're a dieter, you're 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 taught to not listen to your signals, and you don't know what you like. Right. I mean, I didn't, you know, you just, Mm -hmm. you don't know what you like. You only know what you're supposed to eat. Right. And Mm -hmm. even, I mean, even when it comes to good food, like I, I, I don't know that this made the book, but you and I've had this conversation before about bananas. Um, I talked about that one in my book. (laughs) Do you? Oh, good. Because I mean, well, I think I sent you this, the, it was a anecdote. I don't think it was a study, but the anecdotal thing about the person who noticed that because they were eating more bananas, they had less anxiety. Mm-hmm. 
And I was thinking about like how bananas were forbidden for so long for me, right? Cause they had way too much sugar or, you know, like I think the Weight Watchers, you're allowed to have a half a banana or the diet plan will let you have a half, right? But I c- had a hard time only eating half banana, especially if you're taking it on the go somewhere, then you've got like half so of a weird. banana yeah. that the peel's already open. It's just, just becomes this disgusting issue. So bananas were just too much trouble, right? And I know that you do this illustration when you speak to groups, but it's like, so instead of taking a banana, I would take a protein bar. Right. And cause it's packaged neat, you know, and that's a healthy food. And, but, but when I read that about bananas and anxiety, I just started thinking like, it's so crazy how diet culture stole my banana. Totally. <laughs> and, and I just wonder how many people like could be benefiting from extra bananas in their life from a mental so health perspective. Many. And yeah. yet we're, we've been taught to avoid them because of, you know, their carbohydrate content. Uh, yeah, it's, it's bad programming. We need to reprogram. <laughs> I was just ta- having a conversation with somebody the other day about bananas and B6 and how mm. bananas are helpful. I mean, and yeah, B6 helps create serotonin. I mean, there's all, yeah, bananas, bananas are like one of my top foods for mental health. Yes. But it is interesting that we were taught. No, no, that's bad. Instead have this low carb processed bar that's made with have a, synthetic- oh yeah, or rice cake <laughs> or <a> rice cake. <laughs> it's just, ew. yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't have the flavor bananas. Well, for there, I do know there are people that hate bananas, hate the smell, whatever sure. texture. I love bananas. Like that is my comfort food, especially with peanut butter. But then uh-huh. we were told peanut butter for a long time, you know, it had too much fat. Right. So it right. is. So I, I guess I could talk about all the things that we used to eat and don't eat anymore all day long, but, or, or that we do eat that we used to not eat all of that. But I think what I hope that listeners can get from this and what you're trying to do with the book is, is you're not saying like, you know, eat whatever you want all no, find what works for you, find what works for you. That makes you feel good. And the motivation even behind what you're eating makes an impact on your mental health and maybe your spiritual health. How does that affect us spiritually? If we're caught up in going from diet to diet? Well, I, I think there's a fascinating angle to what we do, how we relate to food spiritually. And that I think for people like me, <laughs> the restrictors, right? I think there's maybe two, it's really oversimplifying to say there's two categories, but there are people that are more, have a tendency, more prone to restricting. And then I would say there are people who are more prone to, let's just say not restricting. Um, And so for me, there was a righteousness associated Mm. with eating the way that diet culture told me to eat. Hmm. Right. And so, and I have this, this line in the book, but you know, I would go to bed thinking about my food sins more than I thought about like sinning against the heart of God, (laughs) I would go to bed feeling righteous and holy and just because I had followed the plan. Right. And my Fitbit or my Apple watch told me they justified me and told me that I had had a good day. And like, these are the ways that I measured myself by my food and exercise choices. And it's like, that's not the way God measures me, (laughs) right? Like God's not super impressed that I closed all the rings every day this week. And not that there's anything wrong with closing all the rings, right? That can be a good thing. But if I make that an ultimate thing, then that becomes a problem. And yeah, I do. I talk about the food, um, the food roller coaster we've been on in the book, just sharing my own story about, so I was a kid in the 1980s when there were special K commercials, you can't pinch an inch on me and to get skinny in the 1980s, 
we had to eat special K. And then in the 1990s, when I went to college, I had plain bagels and plain turkey. And you could not have convinced me to touch an avocado because do you know how much fat's in one of those? <laughs> right. And then by the time we got to the 2000s, right, I was eating more paleo. And then by the time we got a little later in the 2000s, then it was pre please bring me a large bowl of the smashed up avocados I couldn't eat in 1992. Oh, but don't bring me any chips. <laughs> Right. I'll just have to eat it with a spoon. Right. And it's been this, like, I don't know, whiplash of eat this, (laughs) no, eat this, eat this. And, and really, like you just said a minute ago, my, I remember we go to the same doctor used to, I guess, but, (laughs) but I remember that doctor put me on a vegan diet for 21 days when I first saw her. Wow. And she was like, I think we're going to be able to really clear some stuff up here, but you've got to, you know, be vegan. And I was doing like some products that some, you know, detoxification kind of products that she had recommended as well. And at the end of those 21 days, I literally had never had this experience before, but I wanted to chew on my thumb. Like I, I was so hungry for meat. I was ready to like bite my, (laughs) bite my hands. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and at the end of the 21 days, she got my blood work back and she was like, huh, apparently you're one of those people that really needs meat because <laughs> like, oh. yes! everything <laughs> got worse for me. Every single metric that she was trying to improve got worse for me. And so it, it, it's just my reminder that like, I can watch an Instagram influencer get healthy and thin and all the things. And I'm using my air quotes now mm-hmm. because they did this and this and this, and that may not work for me in the same way. I have to listen to my body and and, you know, and honor, honor God in my food choices in that I'm not chasing that body. I really want to chase after him and let my food and exercise kind of just be a, an outstanding of my worship of him. Not, not my main thing. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because even in the functional medicine community, even to your example of like a cleanse or a detox, or we have these things we do that are healthy. They're not bad things. And maybe people aren't even doing them for body modification reasons. Maybe they're doing them because of an autoimmune diagnosis, or maybe like there are lots of different ways that we are using food now to help support. But even in the program that I was just in, we were told, you know, if you're not addressing some of that emotional health, some of those other deeper issues, like food's only going to get you. So, I mean, yeah, sure. We have to eat. We all have to eat. We can't go without Mm -hmm. food. But if you're not dealing with the other side of things, some of those other stress management, even like we just call it stress management, right? Right. And it's not helpful. It's not a helpful stress management tool to be so restrictive that now you're anxious about what you're eating. You don't know if this is a good food or a bad food or the right choice. Or, I mean, even that in in the wellness world that we're doing it for good reasons, but now we're making ourselves crazy because, oh my gosh, I just had dairy. Right. 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 It's tricky. Yeah. Well, and so I can tell you from, so I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's uh, about eight, nine years ago, and my thyroid was low as well as two things go together. And I mean, I tried all the protocols, all the, all the food protocols. And it really wasn't until I listened to someone on your show and I don't know, she was from Boston and she talked about infrared sauna (laughs) on your show. And I started doing infrared sauna 
And I mean, she talked about stress management too. And that's what kind of my doctor kept saying, like, you know, okay, well, you're eating all the things. So what about stress management? <laughs> and, and I mean, it's crazy now because my Hashimoto's is gone. Like I don't have the numbers mm. anymore. And so I'm healed from Hashimoto's, but my, I stopped doing all the protocols. My mm -hmm. food has been completely different. What mm -hmm. my body mm -hmm. really needed was whatever the sauna was giving me <laughs> and, yeah. and the stress, the stress relief. And so that all of my life, I have believed that he, that food would be the, the linchpin. Mm -hmm. And for me, in this case, it wasn't. Now I know for some people it absolutely is, but I searched desperately hoping it would be in some ways, because I thought maybe that would make me thinner. If I could find out that this one food was sabotaging yeah. me, then I would yeah, suddenly true. wake up skinny. And I was all because I just stopped having dairy. Like, wow, mm -hmm, what amazing. Mm -hmm. And you, you hear those <laughs> stories, but it just didn't work that way for me. So we're all so unique, aren't we? Yes. And I think, and that's, what's so helpful, even just the approach of your workbook and of, and of everything that you do, it, it does go back to the fact that there's a bigger story at play in all of our lives. It has nothing to do with what we look like or the food that we eat. Uh, and unless those things are holding us back from living our purpose. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the women right now are more hold, held back by these cultural ideals and yeah. by the food limitations that they put upon themselves than anything else. Those things can really be holding us back from living that purpose and yeah. even seeing what that bigger story is about. So what you're trying to do is create freedom. I do want to read something that popped up in, um, because we're almost out of time, but I just want listeners to hear this. I think this is really interesting. According to a 2022 good housekeeping study, 87% of over 4,000 respondents have been on a diet with the purpose, at least in part to change their weight or shape. So they surveyed over 4,000 people and 87% of them have been on a diet to change their weight or shape. That's a big number, but only 6% of them agreed that they feel generally happy with their bodies. And 17% said, this one kills me. They'd be willing to shave a year or more off their lives in exchange for the ideal body. So that does not, that sounds like, that doesn't sound like freedom. <laughs> that sounds like being enslaved to a way of thinking, or maybe even being conformed to the patterns of this world, to a way of thinking that, to your point, that eating to be a certain size or a certain weight or whatever is going to be the magic, the magic yeah. key. We, yeah. We we've heard this for so long, right? We've seen it. Like that's what every before and after picture shows us, mm -hmm. right? Every before and after picture shows us someone that's in hell in that before picture and the after picture they're in heaven. Oh, wow. What a picture of freedom. Oh, she must be so happy. Oh, the joy beaming from her. What a fabulous life she must lead. But what we have to realize is after pictures capture approximately what a millisecond of someone's life, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> like just standing up and sucking in and looking all good in that after right picture, filter. but like 10, 10 seconds later, she looks different because she's <laughs> slouching again. Right. And or 10 weeks <laughs> and, and 10 weeks later, you know, she's got some hormonal change and she's bloated and another, you know, and if she can keep the weight off, I mean, you know, you don't just get to sit on the couch after you get that after picture, you don't sit on the couch and stay that way forever. <laughs> right. And really what happens, I would say most of the time is the body mangital then comes in as soon as you get that after picture and they're like, Ooh, not good enough. Like I know very few people that are completely content with their after pictures mm -hmm. and, and yet our bodies weren't designed to stay the same, right? We're, I have a whole chapter about, we're not plastic, like check the bottom of your foot. There's no recycle symbol. 
on the bottom of your foot. We are not made of plastic. And yet the words we use to talk about our bodies and how our body should be often, often resemble plastic, right? Like we need to be hard and we need to be smooth. (laughs) We, you know, and it's like, it sounds like we're talking about plastic. We're talking about a living organism that is constantly changing and we're aging every day, like it or not every day you're older than you were yesterday. Right. And so what do we need to do to make peace with that reality? And I would say in this new year, Aaron, to step out of business as usual, what new plan am I going to do with this hope that I'm going to become an after picture and stay that way forever? It, it just doesn't happen for anyone. Yeah. So there are, what, what can you do to get back all that mental space that you have assigned to thinking about your body and how to change it and obsessing over it, right? Like that's, that's not freedom. And that's also not health, right? There's, there's nothing whole about that, mm-hmm. right? And there's, and there's really so much that we are missing out on when we have to stay obsessed in that mental space where all we can think about is our body and how to change it. Like, I I can't tell you, I can't emphasize enough personally for my own journey, how I thought that was just going to always have to be part of my story. I thought that was just the way God made me. I was just always going to be buzzing about trying to have a different body size. I really didn't think it was something I was, it was possible to be free from. And now I know different. And now it's just weird to think, wow, like, how did I get anything else done? Cause I know I was obsessing about my body all the time and, and freedom feels good. And, and it's possible. That's, I guess my overall encouragement for anyone listening today. Yeah. And so if you're listening to this and if any of this resonates with you and even some of my <laughs> rambling commentary, cause I feel like I'm just like, Ooh, going all over the place. But I think it's important to hear Heather's heart that she has been in this place of going, Oh, but what if I tried this thing? Or what if I tried that thing? And she struggled even with these chronic diseases that I know many of you listeners have struggled with as well. And so just try this 40 day workbook out, get the book, order it from Amazon, from, I don't know, christianbook.com. Sometimes they have, they have great deals in a year, right? <laughs> you get <it> wherever. <laughs> um, and start thinking about your body in a different way from a more eternal. I mean, that sounds, that's so Christianese, but like, yeah, truly from a more eternal, big picture perspective of this is the vessel that I have to live out my purpose. And it's uh, anyway. Yes. So get the book, get the workbook, start working through that. You can also get her books compared to who burden of better are also really great starting points too. If you just feel like I'm sick, I'm sick of doing all of the things and never feeling like I'm happy in my body, or I always feel like I have to be doing something more. Heather is a great resource for that. You can follow her at compared to who on Instagram and also her podcast compared to who breaks all of this down really, really well. And Heather, is there anything else you want to add about the workbook that, that might be, um, helpful for, for listeners? Yeah. So I think we know just from like examples in fitness and really examples in the church world too, that community 
is what helps us, right? Like community is healthy for us, right? It's good to have friends, but community helps us as we try to accomplish any kind of goals in our life. So I created a facilitator guide and that's available on my website, improvebodyimage.com. So if you want to just grab like two friends and be like, okay, instead of all going on another diet together, and we know how that's going to end, right? We know what that's going to look like in March or April. Like, why don't we try to work through this 40 day workbook together because of 40 days, that'd be a lot of times to meet together. So I made it, I made it reasonable. There's like, it's 10 meetings and then broke up exactly like how to split the content up. And so that's available. Why not get free with a friend? I mean, then you've, you've got an accountability partner, an ally in your journey and, you know, someone to process with. And there's just so many great benefits to, to doing it in community. Yeah. Yeah. And then you don't feel as alone with, because so many other people are struggling with this. So it's right. not just like, Oh, it's just me sitting here thinking about my body. So yep. Yep. <laughs> that's kind of what we do, but yeah, I'm so thankful for you and for your ministry and for just all of the wisdom that you impart. And so thank you for being on the show again. I'm excited. I'm really excited to get my book. I need it like now. <laughs> we'll have to work on that, but thanks Aaron, so much for, for having me on. I appreciate it. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.